Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, February the 21st, 2024. It is currently 6.36 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, sometimes, at least for me, spiritually speaking, I will find myself either, it'll be a passage of scripture, it'll be a concept, it'll be a a topic, it'll be a doctrine, it'll be a part of theology. Just you find yourself, or at least for me, you kind of find yourself stumbling upon something, finding something, and it just seems over and over and over, everything drives you right back to it, drives you right back to that scripture, right back to that word, right back to that topic, right back to that doctrine, right back to that part of theology. And and and, and it's just like, wherever you look, you're like, you're right back to it. 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 And I, when when that happens, what I like to do is I don't sit there and try to understand why I keep finding myself looking at this topic and why things keep happening, driving me there. I, you know, I don't try to look at it as some spiritual sign or something. I just like, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to run with it. I'm just going to, to follow it. And whenever, whenever I feel like it's over, it's over. Whenever I feel like I've done enough, then I've done enough. But there's just those times that I just keep being brought back to the same thing over and over. And that has happened recently with the word great. With the word great, it all started in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, where we read this story. Luke chapter 1, we've now read it a number of times. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hell, thou that art highly favor, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be great. And as soon as I saw that verse and read that verse, and then there was an article in the Sword of the Lord newspaper, and speaking of the Sword of the Lord newspaper, I told all of you, you should subscribe, right? They have like a subscription special going on right now. I think you can get an entire year for like $20 and they send you a book, right? So, but, but we'll talk about that later, right? But it was the Sword of the Lord newspaper, that verse, and they did this thing about Jesus being great. And that we need to consider the greatness of Jesus. And I gave you a Bible pop quiz where I wanted you to like find seven things about Jesus that are great. And then look at the great things about you, but the negative great things about you, your great sin, your great this, and, and then that contrast. So we kind of, we kind of, I kind of hinted at that. We kind of stumbled into it. And then the next thing you know, Everything I began to look at, the word great, 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 kept coming to my mind, right? A great struggle is underway, at least for me, trying to figure out the future of Victory Baptist Church. I think we've kind of reached a great crossroads. We're having 
I don't know if we can say great financial issues, but we're definitely having financial issues that could call into question the future of the whole church. I don't know if there's a way to rectify it. So that means it's going to have to come to a great end. 24 years, it may all be over. And then that could have a great impact on the future of this podcast. So I've, in a sense, put out a lot of great pleas and and been doing a lot of great begging, saying, hey, 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 please support this or it's going to go away. And then that great library of content content, three, oh, what, four, 5,000 hours of content. It's just going to be, well, it's going to greatly disappear. And so I've been greatly struggling with my great emotions as I get greatly frustrated and greatly depressed and greatly discouraged. And then I'll get a little bit of, a little bit of great optimism going, Hey, this is going to, this is going to work out. Just hang in there. The podcast is not going to go away. Even if the church goes away, you can make it. This can work. And, 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 and then I'll get some great replies in the, and the emails, and then all of a sudden it'll get greatly silent, and I'll be like, we're back to the great problem, because if people don't continue to greatly respond, this podcast is going to greatly disappear, and so then I'm just going through great, 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 like, and maybe maybe it's just, you know, almost like, you know, you kind of put it in your mind, and you just start thinking everything, great, 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 and, and then, then all of the, so all of these great problems was a perfect contrast to what I'm supposed to be focusing on the greatness of Christ. He is great. His greatness, his greatness should be so great that it pulls my eyes and my emotions and my focus away from my great circumstances, my great emotions, and then I put it on him and I give him great worship. That's the way it should be. I should be, I should, uh, his greatness should pull my focus off all of the other things and I should be consumed. I should be preoccupied. I should be content in his greatness. But then I, I even did a podcast dealing with this, right? About how great frustration, great frustration sometimes can overcome the greatness of Christ. And so, and, and when this happens, when you get kind of like, you're like, I'm seeing this everywhere. And then you're kind of get, like getting preoccupied with it. A lot of times the other people, you know, people listening are kind of like, I don't see the big deal. It's, it's really, it's really not that great. It's really not that great of a concept. It's really not that great of a principle. He thinks it's greater than it really is. He's greatly confused. Okay. All right. Now I'm just using the word great to overemphasize the point, but it has definitely hit me that it's easy for me to sit here and go, let's look up these verses about the greatness of Christ and the greatness of Christ should allow us to focus on that and not be overwhelmed or moved by the greatness of our circumstances. And then I kind of, I kind of made an allusion to Peter, you know, Peter, hey, is that you, Christ? Okay, if that's you, he hops out of the boat and he's coming to him because in a sense, he's overwhelmed. He's consumed with the greatness of Christ. But then he stops and he looks at the storm and well, he begins to drown and he's like, save me. No, I think there's a lot of different ways of looking at that, that even even when we are being our best spiritually, even when we are demonstrating great faith, that we're, we're never going to make it. We're going to ultimately sink and so we need a great savior. But the point is, it once again shows the greatness of Christ. We need to keep Keep our focus on the greatness of Christ. So I've been trying to take this concept that's theoretical and make it practical. And I've just had a hard time making it practical, especially on Sunday. On Sunday, I got in my car 
to drive to Victory Baptist Church. I wanted to talk about, well, Bible geography for the Sunday school hour. It wasn't going to be great, but it was just going to be like, it was going to be great to just continue this series that we've been working on, trying to figure out how great, how is Bible geography of great importance or is it it not? So I was going to go do that. And then what I was going to do for the second hour, I thought I would have at least most of the families present. I thought for the second hour, I would tell everyone about the great difficulty that we're currently facing as a church, at the great crossroads that we are at. I thought I would greatly explain it to everyone. Hey, we're having some great financial situations. More, more money's going out than coming in. This is going to greatly impact me, greatly impact the church. Maybe we're at a great crossroads and this is going to be the end of the church. So then we need a great plan so that we can greatly wrap this up. And I would, But guess what? I got to church. Now, this is greatly embarrassing. This is greatly humiliating, but I got to church. Now, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because um, the fact that this is humiliating and the fact that this is embarrassing is because of my great pride and my great ego. But I got there. There was one person. One person. And I was greatly confused. So I thought, you know what I'll do for Sunday school? I'll just go improv, right? You're like, I didn't have my notes or anything with me. Let's talk about the greatness of Christ. Because if there's any time where I needed to focus on the greatness of Christ, it's right there. Because I'm sitting there a little bit overwhelmed, greatly embarrassed. But if I can put forth before my eyes the greatness of Christ, I can get my emotions off my cir- my circumstances and put them on the greatness of Christ. But then it didn't really go well because I didn't have it organized. And it's just me and another person. And it's like, uh. So it was greatly, um, it was greatly a failure. It was greatly, how much of a failure? Well, it was deleted. So then I was all ready for the next hour. Oh, the next hour we were going to do the lectionary readings and we were going to have a very, very, very important passage about Jesus going into the wilderness to face Satan. Well, I was going to connect it back to Leviticus and back to Isaiah and for what 40 days meant, what wilderness meant and what the beast meant. And I was going to do this great thing. And well, at that point, it started off with one person. Now, another family did come in after we had started, right? I don't know how far in we were. Uh, but I mean, at that point, it was like then greatly awkward trying to then greatly, the whole thing was a mess. So what did I do by the time that was over? I deleted it. So Sunday was a great failure. I didn't get to talk about the great crossroads that we're at. I didn't get to do anything. And you know what? When I got in that car, I was greatly determined to drive away and never, ever, 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 ever come back. I was greatly determined that there was no point in coming back. There was no, there was no reason to come back. In fact, I was greatly determined to come home, go walk right into this house, walk right up here to the studio, turn on the microphone and say, everyone, it's been a great run, but it's greatly over because I'm not going through this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I'm going to delete everything. And it's it just don't even bother emailing me. It's over. That's what I was because my and guess what? I never once in that entire time thought, oh, the greatness of Christ. The great, no, 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 no. See, I, I taught that theoretically. Practically, it was not even registering in my brain. It, it was doing absolutely nothing. Now, 
Why am I talking about it on Wednesday, February the 21st? Well, we're not having in-person services tonight. Once again, greatly disappointing, somewhat greatly frustrating. That's okay. I have a great opportunity. Turn on a microphone. Talk to people around the world. The numbers are not great, but that's okay. I'm not going to look at that. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I did a broadcast a little while ago where I was greatly frustrated because of the great prices a church was charging for people to get in to hear the word of God preached, which I think is just greatly ridiculous. But I'm like, what do I do? And I'm like, you know what? We We have been covering this year the lectionary readings. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab the lectionary readings for Wednesday of the first week of Lent. Wednesday of the first week of Lent, and I'm going to see what I can find here. All right? So, hang on. I'm going to open this back up. I'm going to open this back up. Yes, the 21st of February, Wednesday, which is the Wednesday of the first week of Lent. And the readings we have is Jonah and Luke. The Old Testament reading is Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. Now, how did these readings get me back to the word great? Well, let's, let's see. The word great is actually used in one of the readings, which again, I thought was fascinating. But let's start in Jonah chapter 3. Let's start in Jonah chapter 3. Let's see what we can find here. Now, the fact that one of the readings is in Jonah, that's another great, great coincidence because you're supposed to be working on 21 days in the Minor Prophets, right? So then that fits perfectly, okay? So Jonah chapter 3, let's start in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. All right. So it's a, it's a great coincidence that we are in the book of Jonah since we are doing the 21 day, uh, you know, 21 days in the minor prophets challenge. All right. So, but then the word great is literally right here, the great city, right? That's the first time the word great's going to show up in the next reading as well. But here we go and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city. Oh, it's used twice of three days journey. Now, please note the three days. That's interesting. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. There's the greatest again. It's a great city. Three days journey. He begins to preach. And then there is great repentance from the greatest of them to the least. It's a great repentance of a great city. 
you know, the word great is being used all over the place. Again, is this all a great coincidence? I don't know, but I can't escape the word, all right? So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor nor beast, herd, nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from this violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. There is a great repentance, a great, now we could add a lot of words here, a great, right? We could talk about the great word that was preached, right? It was a great word because it was a word of God. Jonah did not go preach to Nineveh his message. He went and preached the message of God. So it was a great word preached to a great city that led to a great repentance, a great repentance. In other words, a deep repentance. It, it, it had great impact, great conviction. Now, I will argue a great conviction and a great repentance cannot arise if it's going to be great. I think this is very important. There is no great repentance unless it is first. Uh, well, let, me, let me state it this way. There can be no great repentance unless it is driven and motivated by a great word. That means it must come from the scriptures. It must be the reading and study of the scriptures that bring about the great repentance. If the great repentance is brought about by great manipulation, by a great song service, with great mood lighting, with great all of that, then that then your great repentance is nothing more than a great show. It's great manipulation. It's gr- just a great emotional thing. If there's going to be great repentance, it must come from the great word of God. If, if it's, listen, if you want great repentance, it must come from the great, it must come from the great word, which is the word of God. It must be, it it must come from the great source. Now we don't like that. We don't like that one bit, right? Because sometimes when we have like a revival service, we want a great repentance. Sometimes in your life, you want a great repentance. You know that you're in a spiritual stagnation. Maybe you know you've become spiritually apathetic. Maybe you're finding yourself very comfortable in a sin and you're like, you need great repentance. Well, that great repentance does not come apart from the great word of God. It must come from scripture. You say, well, why doesn't it always bring about the great repentance? Well, then you you could say that it must come from God. God God must be the source of it, but God uses his word to bring it about. When he uses it, how he uses it is up to him. Ultimately, repentance is a, if it's a work of God, then God must be the one to do it, but it must come through his word. I am convinced of that. You can create circumstances to get a, what appears to be great repentance, but it's just a great emotional manipulation. It must be, go preach the word. The word is what brings the great conviction, which brings the great repentance. 
It must be the great word. Great repentance requires a great word. It must be the word of God that does it. Now, I, you can look to your life. When have you ever really encountered a great repentance, a, a great spiritual, bro, you're broken and you were revived? Now, I don't think you can manufacture that. I don't think you can just make it happen. I think it's a sovereign work of God, but it comes from his word. And sometimes all you can do is stay in the word, keep reading it, keep, you know, studying it, keep memorizing it, just stay in it, stay in it, stay in it, and then beg God to use his word to break you and bring some kind of great repentance in your life. Nineveh, the great city, has a great repentance because a great word was preached to it. A great word to a great city brought about a great revival or a great repentance. There, there's, there's great. There's great, 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 great. Great shows up all over that reading. Now, the gospel reading is Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. Luke chapter 11, verse 29, we read these words. And when the people were gathered thick together and began to say, this is an evil generation, or hang on, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began, not it, he began to say, and he is there referring to Jesus, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas or Jonah the prophet. For as Jonas, or Jonah, was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Sometimes an evil generation seeks, I'm, I know it doesn't use the word, a great sign. We want some kind of great sign to understand something, but no sign's going to be given other than the greatest sign, which is Jesus himself. He is that sign. And then, it, and then it tells this story, verse 31. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Sometimes a generation seeks a great sign. But the greatest sign is there. One greater than Solomon was there and they did not see it. Sometimes a generation seeks a great sign because they are greatly blind. But the great sign is Christ himself. But you, well, God must give you the eyes to see it. You, he, it's through the word of God that you can behold and see who he is. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall get, condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, greater than Jonah is here. So we have, this is very important. We, this is very, 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 very important, all right? So we have the great word preached to the great city, which brings about a great repentance. It's the great word 
to the great city that brings about the great repentance. There can be no great repentance unless it is motivated, unless it is driven by the word of God. Anything else is just emotional manipulation. And tell, and let me tell you, church camps have figured it out. Churches have figured it out. Revival services have figured it out. And they use every known psychological manipulative technique, whether they're doing it consciously or subconsciously, in order to get the reaction they want. You get the reaction, you get the emotions, you may get the numbers, and you say, great, great, great. Great, but it's nothing great. It's just great from an emotional standpoint. If you want great repentance, great revival, it must come from the great word. That's Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And Luke, we have, let's go through this again. We have an evil generation that seeks after a great sign. They want something that they can see. They want something spectacular. They want something. They want, they want to see something. Right? They want a great sign, but the sign, they have the greatest sign right there that's been given to all of us. And that is as Nineveh had the great sign of Jonah, well, I'm going to say it this way. Um, the, if they want a great sign, the great sign is Jonas was a sign or um, hang on. There should be no sign given to it, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet. So there, the people want a great sign, but they've been given a great sign. And that's the sign of Jonah. Because Jonah ultimately points to Christ. In fact, look what it says. For as Jonas was assigned to, to, to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man be to this generation. So there's going to be no other sign given except a sign that's somehow related to Jonah. And that sign that's related to Jonah is Christ. In fact, he's greater than Jonah, which we'll talk about. So an evil generation wants a great sign. But the greatest sign is the sign of Jesus himself. He is that great sign. Evil generation, what's a sign? There's the greater sign. But guess what? They don't see it because there is great blindness. There is great blindness. There is great blindness. They, they don't even recognize it. And guess what they don't recognize? They don't recognize that Jesus is the greater sign, that he's greater than Solomon, and that he's greater than Jonah. Jesus is the greatest sign they don't see it. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. So once again, what's required, this great blindness has to be brought to a point where they see the greatness of Jesus because he's greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. He's greater than all of that. You may think Solomon has wisdom. Jonah, oh, wow, the whole city repented. You can get caught up in all of those externals. But guess what? Jesus is greater than all of them. So what do we need? The great city needs the great word. Well, you need the great preaching word, and we also need the great word, the word that was in the beginning, who was with God and was God, the word that became flesh. We need the written word, and we need the incarnate word. That's just Jesus Christ, and they are forever linked together. A great word to a great city leads to a great repentance. A great a, 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 let me state it this way, a evil generation that seeks a great sign will miss out on the greatest sign until it, they understand that the greater sign is Jesus, who's greater than Solomon and greater than Jonah. And if they will see that, well, then they too could be saved. Well, guess what? We miss out the greater sign. We miss out the great word. 
We get overwhelmed with our circumstances. We get overwhelmed with our situations. We get frustrated. We filled with anxiety and worry and anger and bitterness. And, and we just, we just have all kinds of issues and we got to stop and go, wait, 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 wait. Here's the great word. It's right here. It's the word of God who points to the greater word in a sense or to the, uh, to the greatest sign, which is the word of God made flesh. We have the great written word. We have the great living word. Let's say that. And that great living word is the greatest sign because he's greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. And that greatness should then draw our attention to it and away from our great problems. That is the lectionary readings for this Wednesday, February the 21st. The word great is all over. Well, it's used, uh, twi- it's used twice here in uh, Luke, um, in Luke 11, now Luke 11, uh, 29 to 32, because we have the word, he's greater than Solomon, he's greater than Jonah. Now, some great, great could be implied somewhere else. And then it's used multiple times in Jonah 3, 1 through 10. A great city. The great city. But it's the great word preached to the great city that brings great repentance. It's an evil generation that seeks a great sign. But they're not going to get any other sign than Jonah. And Jesus, Jesus is that sign. He's the great sign. In fact, he's the greater sign because he's greater than Solomon He's greater than Jonah. Can we see it? Can we see it? Well, we have to see it by faith. We have to see the fa- the greatness of Christ has to be, in a sense, perceived by faith, right? Because we cannot necessarily see it or understand it. But by faith, we perceive the greatness of Christ. He is the great shepherd. He is, he is the, you know, he brings great salvation. He's the great high priest. All the great things that he has done. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. We may not see it, but by faith, we must see it. We must see it by faith. But then as we become, as we are a Christian... We have to do everything in our power to see his greatness. Because if we can perceive his greatness, then we're not drowned and pulled down by our circumstances. But let me tell you, that's all theoretical. It's very hard to make it practical. Very hard to make it practical. For some odd reason, This great concept keeps showing up over and over and over again. I had no idea that it was going to show up again in tonight's readings. In fact, I wasn't even thinking about covering tonight's readings. But then I realized I needed to do something. So then I'm like, I'll do that. And when I open it up, I'm like, there's great again. There's great again. Which is the exact same thing I try to, in a sense, I try to articulate for Sunday school. Did not work out correctly. But I did. I gave you the Bible pop quiz to really work on this because I, because this is one of those concepts that I think is so important. Maybe it's not important for you. Maybe it's one of those situations that's important for me because I'm dealing with great frustration, great uncertainty, great struggle, great I don't know. But I do know that no matter what my circumstances brings, the greatness of Christ is there.
he's greater than Solomon because he possesses greater wisdom. He is wisdom. He is the wisdom of God made flesh. He's greater than Solomon in wisdom. He's greater than Solomon, well, obviously in wisdom because Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, ended up a polygamous adulterer and idolater. Christ is greater than him. He's greater than Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by a fish, spit out, right? Christ is going to be crucified, died, buried, raised the third day, ascends to the right hand of the Father. Jonah may have been spit out of the mouth of the great fish or the well, whatever you want to refer to, but he's going to die. In fact, what is he going to do after Nineveh repents? He's going to be frustrated. He's going to be upset. He's going to want to die. He's not going to be rejoicing over the fact that people have repented. He's going to be mad. One is greater than Jonah. One is greater than Solomon. And that greatness is that of Christ. I leave all of that with you. Now, typically I would want to go 45 minutes or something, but I did not, I didn't even think about the time. But I'd rather be shorter and leave you with something important. And I think that is important. So let me know what you think. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. Is this concept of the greatness of Christ, does it have any impact on you yet? Has, have it, has it done anything? Well, I want you to consider all of this tonight and love to get your response. Thanks for listening. May God bless you as you meditate and think upon his word.